this vision day is for you. I, I have been praying about this and, and all week I've just been amped up, couldn't wait to get to this moment because I, this is what I believe for you. God has a vision for your life. He has a calling, he has purposes, he has plans for you. And, and, and most of you don't believe that, you're just existing. And I, I don't want you just to exist anymore. I don't want you to just go about, just have just another year. This is gonna be a major turning point for some of you today. Like you're gonna open, if you will just open yourself up to God today, I promise you, this will be a day that will mark you and you will always look back at January 29th, 2017, and you will say, there was a lot that changed in my life on that day. So I want you to be open to what God has to say to you today, what he has for you today. And so let's dig into it. If you have a Bible, let's go. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm only going to have you stand for just a few more moments while we read the scriptures. Uh, if you're new to church, let me give you a quick background on Paul and Timothy. I'm going to talk a little about who Paul is. But Paul was uh, this guy. He hated Christians. He persecuted them. Then God changed his life and sent him out to start churches all over the world. He was the very first missionary. And one of, the, one of his uh, pastors that he had recruited and mentored was this guy named Timothy. And uh, Timothy was a leader, one of the very first leaders in the church. He had a church in a place called Ephesus, one of the largest and most influential churches in its day. It was a massive mega church. Thousands of people went to it. And, and Timothy was all about social justice. He, he would stand against injustice in, in his time. And in fact, so much so that they were having a um, parade one day for uh, one of the pagan gods, and they were going through the streets of Ephesus. If you think it's bad in the United States, we need to get over ourselves because Timothy is preaching, and he's got this church, and in the middle of this, this time period, they are marching, and they are, in honor of this pagan god, they are raping men and women and killing them and leaving them bloody in the streets. And Timothy's like 80 years old, he's had it, he can't take it anymore, and he goes out into the streets, and he begins to preach the gospel, and they grab him, and they martyr him at the age of 80. This is who this man is. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to him to encourage him many years before. And it says this, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. Now, it's not his son. He's mentoring him, but they have a very close relationship. And he says, may God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. And then he starts talking about his relationship. He says, Timothy, man, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. It's like night and day, I, I'm constantly remembering you in my prayers. Man, I can't wait to see you again. I, man, I, I, rem, I remember your tears as we parted. Man, I'm gonna be filled with joy when we're together again. This is the kind of friendship these two enjoy. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandma and your mama. Anybody got a mama or a grandma that loves Jesus? Anybody in the house got a mama or a grandma that loves Jesus? I got a mama that loves Jesus. I got a grandma who loved Jesus. My grandma was, was so in love with Jesus. She was a Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-wagging, crazy, four-square, preaching woman. She was crazy Pentecostal. Married to a Lutheran. How crazy is that? I don't even know how you figure that out theologically, but you can wrestle with that later. That's just, I love, that's my heritage, and I'm proud of it. I got her Bible, and I love it. His mama, his grandma loves Jesus. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. All right, let's pray. God, 
in this moment that we have to share your word, uh, we ask that you would speak to each of us. Uh, just pray for your, your own soul in this moment. God, speak to me, man. Uh, what do you have for me? Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit in this moment. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, you can pray. Man, God, would you speak to me? Would you speak to me? What do you want to say to me, Father? And then just uh, pray for everyone around us. Pray for me as your pastor. I want to be faithful to uh, the scriptures, faithful to what God wants all of us to hear. All right, if you're ready to hear from God in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. All right, turn, turn and uh, tell somebody when you sit down, get ready, here it comes. Get ready, because here it comes, locked and loaded. Um, saw a video a while back that uh, went viral. You might have seen this video. Um, this guy's name is uh, Michael uh, Fishback, and just off the uh, Gulf of Mexico, Michael Fishback is an um, explorer. He loves whales, and he studies whales, researches them, and, and photographs them. And so he was out on the Gulf of Mexico with his family and some friends just hanging out, um, not really doing anything. And they noticed this humpback whale that was caught in a net, a fisherman's net, and it had wrapped all around the fins, and, and this whale was slowly um, sinking and drowning. And they couldn't get any help to come. They tried, but no help was going to come. And so he and his buddies just decided, we're going to try to free this humpback whale. And so they started cutting away the net, and they, they eventually finally got him free. And when they got this whale free, th- this whale said thank you to them like I have never seen before. Here, check, check out this video of that experience. I must admit I was a bit scared because I knew the whale was frightened and fatigued but could still kill me with one panicked movement. The situation was indeed bleak. While I was working around the pectoral fin, my boatmates George and Wero had managed to get some of the net pulled over the side of our ponga but after great effort managed to free one of the pectoral fins. We all believed it was at least a show of pure joy, if not thanks. I think she's showing us a thank you dance. I think so, Galen. We followed her for about four miles over the next hour and said goodbye. Needless to say, we were all proud and thrilled that we saved this fantastic young life. It was- Isn't that crazy? Like, can you imagine that? Like getting a thank you like that? Well, I saw that video and I thought, man, that is a picture of the church. Like this is who we are. We are in the rescue business. We go out to rescue. Rescue men and women who are, who are caught in the nets and the chains and the bondage of sin, of despair, of brokenness, of the lies of the enemy. And what I love about this church is we don't sit idly by and just let people suffer. Man, we know we've got to do something about it. We know that we've got to get in the game and, and we've got to do whatever it takes to help people. And, and then when somebody gets free, we celebrate with them. And we, just last year, we saw 33 people come up out of the water for baptism. And today, we saw like five more of them come up out of the water and celebrate. Seriously, if you've been a part of Core Church, have you ever seen a celebration like Dalton did there? Like, he, I was like, that looked just like the well video. I'm not saying Dalton's a well. But he came, he, 
I have never gotten that wet as a pastor in the baptismal pool. <laughs> I was soaked head to toe. I was like, man, all right. I, mean, I, was, I was so excited to see that. We, we celebrate with people when, when they get free, and it's so amazing to see people get free. And none of those happened. None of those, those baptisms today happened because one person swam out and set them free. No, it, it happened because the body of Christ came together and worked together and helped together in seeing a person get free. All of us have a role in the rescue. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down. I have a role in the rescue. I have a role in the rescue. Turn to somebody right now. I want you to ask them, what's your role? What's your role? Like, what, what, what's your role? Do, do you know your role? I love Sundays like this because I'm not, I, I don't have to get onto the body of Christ. I don't, have to, I don't have to, you know, turn you over my leg and spank you and say, come on, what's wrong with you? Send you to your room and you guys need to get busy. No, man, I love this church and I love how we come to moments like this and we celebrate the rescue that's taken place. Over 200 of you have gotten on a rescue team and served the church and served the city this past year. Over 200 of you. Can we celebrate that? Over 200 of you getting on a rescue team. I mean, some of you, some of you have gotten on a door and you've greeted people as they've come in and with a smile and a handshake. And some of you have worked with our, our kids in our kids' ministry. Some of you made coffee. Some of you worked with our youth on Wednesday nights. Some of you in our production area. And some of you behind the scenes. People don't even see that you mop this floor, that you vacuum carpet, that you stuff chair backs. And some of you have even gone out into the city. You found your cause. Man, we have people in our congregation that go out and serve the homeless. They go into the prisons. They serve at Abba Center. They are fostering children. They are adopting children. And they're not just doing it in the city, but we have people in our congregation not just limiting it to the city, going around, around the world. Like we have people starting orphanages, working with orphans around the world. We have people going on mission trips around the world. Can we celebrate that for just a moment? That is just awesome. Like turn and give somebody a high five. Give them a high five and say, way to go. Way to go. We are all a part of the rescue. We all have a role in the rescue. And so in Paul's letter to Timothy, he talks about the importance of our role. Look back at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I, I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, we've got to back this up a little bit because Paul just says that just kind of passively. Like, you know, I, I, I've just been, you know, I was chosen by God, sent out just to tell people about him, yada, yada, yada. Hold on a second here, Paul. If, if you've been in church and you grew up in church, you may know the story of Paul, but you may not, if you've grown up in church, you may not know the story of, of Paul. It's a little more dramatic than this. See, Paul, he was a religious leader in the Jewish faith as a Pharisee, and his job was to go out and hunt Christians. He didn't like Christians, 
And so he would round them up and he would arrest them. He would imprison them. And based on what they were doing, they they would be beaten for what they had done. Some of them, because they had proclaimed the gospel, he would have them uh, killed for what they had done. And so he's on his way to go round up some more of these Jesus followers, the people of the way, as they were called, these Christians, and round them up. And out of nowhere, this bright light comes out from heaven, shines down on him and starts talking to him. And he's freaking out. And he's like, what is this? And the voice says, "Uh, I'm the one you're persecuting. I'm Jesus. What are you doing? And he's like, whoa, hey, you're legit. Yes, I'm legit. You, you, this thing's real. Yes, it's real. And, and God changes his life in that moment. And Jesus tells him, hey, I'm going to send you out to a different people group. In fact, Peter, he's going to stay with the Jewish people, and you're going to go out to everybody else, and you're going to be a missionary around the world and starting churches everywhere. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, how awesome would that be if God spoke to you that way? Like if he made your role that clear. Like if you were on your way to work, can you imagine you're just on your way to work, driving down the BA, Broken Air Expressway, you know, and all of a sudden bright light hits you, you know, and you're just like, hey, turn your brights down. And there's like no cars. And then all of a sudden, a voice comes up over the radio like, Tom, (laughs) whoa, Rush, is that you? (laughs) No, this is not Rush. He thinks he's God, but he's not. I'm an equal opportunity basher. All right, so... (laughs) But imagine, though, you you do that, and, and God... God starts speaking to you, and God starts telling you the role that he... How would that not just be amazing? That would just be awesome if, if God would do it that way. But most of the time, we, we don't hear the, the voice of God. What we hear is, is a different voice. We hear this voice in, inside each one of us, and it's our own voice. And it's telling you that you don't matter. Like when I, when, I, when I said to you this, this morning, I started reading about this and said, man, I, I have a role in the rescue and this vital part. And you're like, well, not me. Because you got this voice that is telling you and it's you speaking to yourself and speaking things over yourself that were never meant to be spoken over you. I don't matter. I don't have a gift. I'm not that important. I'm not that big a deal. I'm insignificant. So we, we give up on ever making a difference and we leave it to the chosen ones. Oh, that's, that's for the pastors. That's for the, the worship leaders. That's for, that's for the Mother Teresas and the Billy Grahams and the Martin Luther King Juniors and the, the Pauls and the, and, and, and the Timothys of, of this world. Like they're, they're the, the ones chosen by the will of God. I mean, not, not me. I, I, I'm not that important. I mean, come on, seriously? I hold the door. I shake a hand. I hold a baby. Really? I change some slides so they know what song they're singing. I, I, I vacuum some carpet. I'm not exactly an apostle. I, I, I don't get it because I don't see myself as that important. When I was watching that video of the, the whale, ex, and they were trying to rescue that whale, what's interesting is that every single person had to play a part in, in rescuing that whale. Everybody had a role. Did you notice that? See, Michael Fishback, he was the expert, right? 
Like he knows everything about whales. He studied whales. He's photographed whales. And, and you didn't see that moment. Everybody go, whoa, hey, stand back. Let Michael handle it. Michael, you get it. You're the professional. You know what you're doing. Michael be like, I got it. I got it. I'm going to rescue this whale all by my. No, no, it took everybody. Everybody had to do their part. Everybody had to play their part. And the same thing is true in the church is that we've all been chosen by God. And, and you're, you're really struggling to believe that. Now, some of you might believe that, but I'm telling you, the person next to you, they're not buying it. So you got to speak it over them, okay? So I can't just be the only one speaking it over you today. you got to speak it over one another. So turn to somebody and tell them you're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. We all have a role in the rescue. I heard somebody say one time that the sermon begins in, in the parking lot. I, I like that. The sermon begins in the parking lot. It, it, ta- it takes all of us, all of us working together. For example, in just, just the past year, you may know some of these stories, but you may not. Some of the stories of people who come through the doors of our church is as your pastor, I get the opportunity to hear these different stories. And you may or may not know that last year, we had three gentlemen come through the doors of our church that didn't believe in God. I mean, they came in, they're self-professed atheists. They're like, I don't believe in God. This old Jesus thing, I'm just here because a friend invited me. I'm here because of that person and this person. I'm only here because of them. Whatever you're selling, I just don't believe it. Three men coming through the doors of our church, and what are they there? They're tangled up in the net of the lies of the enemy. And they came through the doors of our church, and somebody was there on the door and smiled and shook their hand. And if you're one of our greeters, thank you. Because in that moment, you broke down the defenses for those men. In that moment, they're like, whoa. Um, this is not how Christians act. Like, I know how Christians act. I've, I've read their Facebook posts. I've seen how angry they get on Facebook. I've seen them. <laughs> Seriously, some of you need to stop. With your, with your angry post, think about the non-believer that's reading your stinking post and your reply to a post, okay? Stop. You got your legalistic jargon, you got to get out there, well, it's the way it is, and, and you make your point, and it keeps people away. So three men walk into the doors of our church, man, and they're like, they got their defenses up, you're all a bunch of haters, I know how you are. You're judgmental. You're already judging me. And they walk through the doors. Right there, somebody shakes their hand and cuts a little bit of the net off for them. I also know in the last year of two ladies who've come into our church who come out of very, very abusive relationships, men who um, just completely mistreated them, their trust broken, gone. But they got invited by a friend. They came to church, and they walked through the doors, and they had children. Both of these ladies had children, and they checked their children in and walked back, and they, they don't have any trust. They don't trust anyone at this point, and they, they allowed somebody in our, in our kids' ministry to take their child, and you, you don't know this, but this is a child who's in an, in an abusive home, hearing nothing but hatred spewed over them, and you come in, and you, 
you bring that child and you don't know, they just look like every other child and you begin to speak the, the love of Christ over them and man, God loves you. He cares about you. And, and that mom then gets to come into a service where then she begins to hear the love of Christ and then I get an opportunity that is just so humbling to me that they would come and meet me and with tears rolling down their eyes saying, I, I didn't know I could experience this kind of love. I, I didn't know. And it's because somebody said, I'll, I'll take care of a, a child. You don't know this, but some of the people you know and some you don't know were thinking about calling it quits on their marriage last year. Three couples that I know of, one of them had moved out. The two others were thinking about moving out. But they kept coming to church. Uh, I remember one Sunday watching one of the couples at the coffee bar. And they stepped up to the coffee bar, and, and the person serving them coffee had no idea, no idea who they were serving. But just in that moment, it seems so insignificant that you're just make, handing them a cup of coffee. But, but when you give someone a cup of coffee, you're, you're giving them like living water because you have Christ in you, and you're saying to them, you're in the right place. And God wants to heal you, and, and, and you, you cut a little bit of that net away from them. We, we all have a vital role. And Paul, Paul tells us this life that God has promised, that God has, has life for all of us, and, and it's a promised life uh, for anyone who has been rescued. So if you've been rescued, God has a promise for you. And let's look at it, verse 2 here. He says this, May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you what? Let's say this together. Give you what? Grace, mercy, and peace. Here's the thing about life. Life makes all kinds of promises, doesn't it? Over promises and under delivers, does it not? Like in this new year, how, how many of you thought, well, I'm, you know what? I'm going to get myself in shape. You know, I'm going to lose some pounds. I'm going to tone up. I'm going to do some Zumba and some yoga. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever it is I got to do to tone up, you know. And, and so you, you know, let's just be real. How, you ever stepped out of the shower and looked in the mirror and scared yourself? Like, how? <laughs> Who is that? That can't be me. Cover it up. Cover it up now. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just awful. And, uh, okay, maybe I'm the only one. All right, so uh, <laughs> get a towel or something on that right now. Nobody should ever should be. But then you see you commit. You're like, right, I'm, I'm going to drop 20 pounds, dropping 20 pounds. So you start working on it, get in shape. You drop the 20 pounds. Man, you're feeling good about yourself. You drop the pant size. You're like, oh, I got to go get some new clothes. You go out and buy a new outfit, and you be looking good. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? I mean, you be looking good. Come on, this is church. This is be real. It feels, it feels good, don't it? Because, I mean, my, guys, come on. I, I dropped 20 pounds. I get in the new pants. My wife's starting to check me out again. That feels pretty good. Can I get an amen from the brothers in the house? <laughs> well, if you'd lose that 20 pounds, then I would look at you like that. All right, so. I'm just, I'm just being real. I mean, man, it just, it just feels good to have that. Like, whoa, hey, you're checking me out again. That's right. Mm-hmm. This package all belongs to you, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that feels good, doesn't it? For, for a season, for, for, for a moment, and then that, that moment begins to pass because it, it doesn't give you the life that it promised. 
It does, nothing in this life can give you what it promised. Life can't deliver what we're all searching for. You know what we're all searching for? Grace, mercy, and peace. That's what we're all searching for. And only God can give you grace, mercy, and peace. You can't get grace, mercy, and peace from a diet pill. You can't get grace, mercy, and peace from good grades. You can't get grace, and mercy, and peace from going out buying a new outfit. You can't get grace, mercy, and peace from a new car or a new house or whatever it is you're trying to do. You can't get it. There's only one place you can get it. And Paul says you can only get it from Jesus Christ. And man, he wants to fill you full of it. This is the life he's promised. Grace? Man, I don't deserve grace. I don't know your story. I only know my story. But man, I I can't earn the favor of God. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I I do, I can't earn it. I'm never good enough, and I know it. You may may think that you're good enough. That's good for you. I've never thought I was good enough. I was always, man, I never could measure up to God. Never. My whole life, I thought, man, I just can't. I'm just trying so hard to measure up. But God said, Brad, it's called grace. You can't earn it. You can't earn my favor. You can't earn my forgiveness. I just give it to you freely. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how low you are, doesn't matter your circumstance or situation, I'm gonna pour it out on you. That's pretty good. And then his grace is there for me all the time, no matter what I face. Man, sometimes I don't know how it is for you, but sometimes life gets pretty heavy and weighs me down. And I don't know how to break free, I don't know how to overcome it. And I'm just about at the end of myself. (laughs) Thank God, just pours out enough grace that I can take just one more step. This is our God. This is what he offers. You can't get that from a diet pill. You can't get that from your 401k. You're not going to get that Monday morning when you go pulling into the parking lot at work. Only God can give you that. And mercy, the mercy of God, man, I didn't deserve mercy. I don't know your story. I only know mine. Man, and I was messed up. I was jacked up. And man, why would you ever forgive me? Why? Why would you? I don't deserve to be forgiven. And he's like, that's right, Brad. You don't deserve to be forgiven. But that's why it's called mercy, because I should be punished for what I've done. The people that I've hurt, my family, my friends, myself, the people I've let down, Man, I'm sorry, I try not to become emotional about it, but golly, are you kidding me? The mercy of God poured out on me as sinner. He's like, yeah, Brad, you did deserve punishment for that. Yeah, the punishment for for that is, is death. But man, I sent my son, and he came in, and he died in your place. And I'm telling you, it's so hard for me to keep it together when I think that my Savior got on that cross and he took my place and he died. He died. He didn't have to die. I'm the one who should die, but he died for me. This is mercy that's available to all of us. Then that mercy, that mercy is available every day. Every day. Man, I I don't know your story. I only know mine. I am a sinner. And I am so prone to selfishness. I am so prone to pride. I am so prone to greed and bitterness and unforgiveness. And every day he's right there saying, pick me up and forgive me and give me another chance. And peace 
I was an enemy of God. I know that. I was raised in the church. I knew better. I heard every story, every one of them. I know them all. I know, I know the preschool songs. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee. I know them all. I, I know them all. And yet I turned my back on God, and I stood in opposition to him in my sin and my rebellion. I said, I don't need you. 17 years old. I don't, I don't need you. And my world just crushed around me. And I'm, I'm an enemy of God. And here's God. But God, he, he extends his, his hand of peace to me and pulls me over to his side and calls me friend. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I'm called his, his friend. Like, do you understand that if you're a follower of Jesus? You're a friend of God. Here's what that means. Every single day, I don't walk alone. My friend, Jesus, is right there with me. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It doesn't matter how deep the valley. It doesn't matter whether the storm clouds come rolling in. He's my friend, and he brings me peace, and he stands with me. And when I understand the grace and the mercy and the peace of my Savior, I can't help but worship him. I can't help but serve him. I can't help but lay down my life for him. And I can't help but go out and rescue others. Because everyone needs this grace and this mercy and this peace. So Paul, he, he knows this, and he knows the people need this, and so he just implores Timothy to fulfill his role. Look, look at verse 6. Paul says this, this is why I remind you, he's talking to Timothy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Do you remember earlier in a few verses before that, Timothy and him, the relationship they had, the friendship that they had, and he said, man, remember you cried those tears? And I said, Listen, um, I, I'm so humbled to be your pastor. I, 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 I sit backstage and before I come out and I'm just like, why me, God? Why do I, why me? I'm, why? And, 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 and I come out and I'm just, man, I just... I want this so badly for all of you because I love you and I, I care about you. It's such an honor to be your pastor. And so today, today, can I remind you and can I implore you, fan into flames the gift God has given you. People need this grace and this mercy and this peace. They're trapped and they are wrapped up in the nets and the bondage of sin and brokenness and shame and the lies of the enemy. And their chains need to be broken. And we have the answer. And God is calling us to go. Fan into flame the gift God's given you. Maybe you don't know your gift. If you don't know your gift and you're a follower of Jesus, you need to get to know your gift. Because when you become a follower of Jesus, here's what happens. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. I don't have time to preach that. Go back, listen uh, on our podcast to the Cause series. I talk about it there. But here's the deal. When you became a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God imparted a gift to you, and that gift is to be used in and through his church. If you don't know your gift, you can know your gift in less than 10 minutes. It takes less than 10 minutes to take our Cause assessment. Go online, click on the Cause button, 10 minutes, you will know all your gifts. It will transform your life. I remember when I learned my spiritual gifts for the first time. Laura and I, 
Atlanta, Georgia. We're there at was it Stonewall Mountain? Stonewall Mountain. And we got these little spiritual gift books, and we went through them, and I discovered our gifts, and then I discovered Laura. Laura has the gift of teaching, uh, which is confusing. You're like, well, then why is she not up here? <laughs> She'll be up here next week, okay? That's why she's going to be up here next week, because I'm not a teacher. You're like, Brad, if you're not a teacher and you don't have the gift of teaching, what are you doing on that stage? Because I have the gift of prophecy. That's why when you come here, I just say it like it is. That's why I speak that over you. That's why, that's why sometimes you feel like, man, boom, that hit me hard. It's because that's how I speak. That's how I preach. I, I speak through prophecy. I prophetically speak things over you, and I speak the truth of God. I know no other way to do it. Get to know your gift. For some of you, you need to fan into flame the spirit of God within you. That flame has just kind of gone dormant on you. What used to be a fire, a raging fire for God, is now just barely an ember. I want to encourage you today to stoke that fire. Find that ember. Stoke that into a fire again. How? How do you do that? Well, I want to encourage you to grab the commitment card. In, in your program is one of these commitment cards, and I think they were laid on the chair too. Everybody grab one of these. I want you to have one of these today. Because we're going to use these here in a moment. We're going, to, we're going to come here in a moment to bring our commitment to God. But I want you to look this over for just a moment. What in your life has become an ember? What one time was a raging fire is now an ember? Maybe for you it's just, man, just, I used to come to church. I used to get excited about coming to church and I just kind of drifted away and God wants to stoke that fire and, and, and bring it back into a raging fire. Maybe for you today, it's to follow Jesus. You, when I talked about grace, mercy, and peace, you're like, I want that. I want that. God wants to give that to you today. Maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, your next step is to get baptized. Can, can I say this to you? And I mean this in the most loving way I possibly can, but this is the gospel according to Scripture. Jesus talked about baptism, Paul talked about baptism, John, Peter, they all talked about baptism. If you are a follower of Jesus and you've not gotten baptized, you are in disobedience. You are in disobedience to God and you need to make that right. You cannot follow God and not get baptized. That's part of it, of the expression of your faith. It does not save you, but it is an expression of your faith, is an act of obedience to God. So maybe that's yours today. Maybe for you it's to just give consistently. You're like, every time the, we talk about offering, you're like, I want to do that. I want to do that. But I don't know why I don't do that. You know why you don't do that? Because greed has put out the fire. Greed. If you don't give to God, you are consumed by greed. What? That's not the teaching gift in me coming out, people. That's the prophetic gift coming out in me, okay? That's just me telling it how it is. And I know that because that's what I deal with. And I know the only way to crush greed in my life is to practice generosity. I crush it. I stoke that fire by giving, man. Here, I'm going to give to this and I'm going to give to that. And guess what? Generosity flames up and burns greed out of my life. Maybe that's yours today. Maybe it's to read the Bible and pray consistently. Do you have a daily time of worship? I talked about that a little bit last week. We have a God time. It's, it's on our website. It's a daily reading. It goes right along with the message. Maybe it's to get on a rescue team, to get on a core team. Maybe that's yours today. Or maybe to pray for people and intercede for them. And 
reach people that are far from God, to intercede, invest, and invite. Or maybe we've been talking about these relationship spaces for a month now, and you've been hearing about them, and you know, man, I'm not in a group. I'm just taking, I just come sit in a seat, and you need to fan that into a flame. Take a step into a group or come to Core Community Wednesday night and, uh, or, or get in a, in a circle. I, it doesn't matter. Find some people to do life with. I'm a pastor I have to have men in my life. I don't know where I would be without these three men in my life that I meet with every other Wednesday. Laura will tell you I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better pastor because of these men who are in my life. And they, when I get with them, they stoke that fire. Man, they poke that fire. and Man, we, we rage it into a fire. Another thing that Paul says here is this. He says that he laid his hands on Timothy and that may be something you don't quite understand, but um, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, they would practice the laying on of hands. And that was simply when somebody wanted to be set apart for ministry, whether it was David being anointed king or Timothy who was going to go into the ministry, and they would bring them and they would anoint them with oil. Maybe today, your step is to just fully surrender your life to him, to just say to God, all right, God, I'm all in. Wherever you will lead me, whatever you want me to do, by your grace, mercy, and peace, I will do it. Maybe as we talk about ministries and prison ministry, homeless ministry, Abba Center, all these different things we're doing, and you're like, every time that comes up, foster care, adoption, you're like, God has been telling me to do that, but I haven't taken that step. Maybe today is your day to take that step for that. Or maybe there's a ministry that God is birthing in you. There's a dream, there's a vision, like he's given you, but you're like, oh, I don't know. But he's saying, I want you to step out in obedience and do, take that on and do that ministry and, and stoke that fire and cause it to go into a raging bonfire for him. Or maybe it's simply God's calling you out of the workforce and he's calling you into full-time ministry. I know what that's like. That was me about 17 years ago. And man, it hit me hard. I never saw myself as a preacher. That was what my dad did, not me. I never want to do that. And God said, no, I'm moving you in that. And so I said, okay, in obedience. And I just took a step and I said, I'll do it. I don't know where this road's going to go. I had no idea it would lead to this. No idea. But I did it in obedience to God. So what I want to do today is something very unique and we don't do a lot, but there's times that God calls us to do, and I believe God's calling us today to anoint some of you with oil and to pray over you. And so at the end of the service, Laura and I are going to be right down here in the front. And if you feel like, man, I just need to fully surrender, like there's a ministry I need to get involved in, a ministry I need to start, or maybe for you it's that I need to leave the workforce and I need to go to full-time ministry. I don't know what it is, but we want to pray over you. We want to anoint you with oil. We want to pray for his grace, mercy, and peace. Today is a day where God's going to mark you. He will mark you today. And you'll always look back at that moment when you have your doubts, when you have your, the fear comes, when, when the roadblocks come, when things aren't going your way, you go, no, that's the moment I made that commitment to him. So here in a moment, we're going to bring our commitment cards and we're going to lay them on a communion table and receive communion together and have a time for those of you that want to be anointed. Now, I want you to think for just a moment through the, what's your next step and what is it God's calling you to do? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? I want us to just spend a moment individually in your chair a moment with God right now. 
For you today, maybe it's about becoming a follower of Jesus. You need his grace, mercy, and peace. It's, it works like this. All right, I believe, God's, I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe it. He rose again. I believe it. I want to accept that grace, mercy, and peace. Your sins can be forgiven. If you just confess those to him, he can make you new, and you get the gift of the Holy Spirit in you today. Grace, mercy, and peace is available to you if that's what you desire today. I'd like for everybody to look at the card. What commitment do you need to make to him? Let's make that commitment right now. Okay, God. With your grace and your mercy and your peace, I make this commitment to you. If God is stirring you up to be anointed, embrace that today. Embrace that. We're going to come to the table here in a moment. The cup, it represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And the bread, it represents his body died a human death, resurrected again on the third day. Communion is all about his grace, his mercy, and peace. I, I pray you come to the table today with this idea. I can get it no other place but from Jesus. Our only requirement for communion is that you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If that's the cry of your heart, you are welcome to come and receive. So, Father, we make these commitments to you now. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.